this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to another episode of Friends from Work. I'm Robbie, he's Kyle, and this is a podcast about all things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, we say this a lot, Kyle, but today's episode really is something special. It is so special. It is something we have been working on for a long time. It's been a long time coming. And we've made it, and I want you guys to stay tuned because you are really going to love this episode, I promise. Before we get to that, though, I do want to thank everybody that's been on this rewatch journey with us. You know, we recently reached the culmination of phase one, which was really fun. I know for us here, it seems like folks have been having fun with it. It's been fun hearing from people on social media and everything. And, you know, it's funny as much as Kyle and I rag on uh, Kevin Feige's penchant for using palate cleanser films in the release order to follow up a big <laughs> event movie. <laughs> We're about to do that here. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> um, today's episode is totally different, not connected to the rewatch or really anything else that we've done on this podcast before, but it's something that we've been wanting to make happen for a long time, really since we had the idea for this podcast. Um we had the opportunity to interview a very special guest, someone who, well, he's a very special guest for a lot of reasons, but for our purposes, is very connected to the MCU in a few really, really interesting ways. Sadly, I am still speaking to you from across the pond, and so I could not be there to take part in the interview. Luckily, uh, my trusty co-host Kyle here was there to uh, hold down the fort, conduct the interview, and you did a great job, Kyle. Thank you. I did kind of save the day, didn't I? Oh. You did, just w once again. But why don't you tell us a little bit about how this whole thing came about? Yes. So just to reiterate what Robbie said, we are thankful for you listening, and we are pumped about Phase 2. And so before we kick off Phase 2 next Monday, we wanted to share this special episode with you that I am so pumped about. I met our upcoming guest at a party for an NFL event. Um, it's a long story, but I have a friend of a friend that has some NFL connections, and I randomly bumped into our guest about a couple of years ago. Ever since that time, we've stayed in touch via text and occasionally seeing each other at another party or something. 
Um, and so we've kind of stayed in touch over the last couple of years. Our upcoming guest is the voice of fantasy football. Yeah. Now I know what you're thinking. I listen to friends from work podcasts. I may not be into fantasy football. <laughs> I get it. Don't panic. It's not about fantasy football. This interview. I promise you are going to love what he has to say. So without further ado, here is my interview with our special guest, Matthew Berry. Take it away. All right, everybody. Our next guest is a critically acclaimed sports writer. He is a sports Emmy Award winner. He is also the host of the fantasy show on ESPN and an author of a New York Times bestseller called Fantasy Life. All those things are amazing. None of those are the reasons why he's here today. Today, we are talking to Matthew Berry because he was in Avengers Endgame. Matthew, how are you? I'm good. Thanks so much how are for you? being I'm so good. So, my first question is you know, I saw you were at the premiere on Twitter and I texted you and said, wow, that must be so cool. You get to see the movie, blah, blah, blah. But then I went to Endgame and I'm watching the movie and there you are in it. I texted you afterwards, oh my gosh, I didn't know you were in the freaking movie. So, my first <laughs> question is how much secrecy were you sworn to? An insane amount. When you get there, so first off, you know, when they call you and tell you you're in it, they, you know, they immediately say, hey, like, got to be secret about it. And obviously, like, I'm, a, I'm super psyched about the opportunity, so I, I want to do everything. I want to be a good little boy. And then you get there, and they make you sign, you know, I can't even tell you how many NDAs I signed, right? So you sign a bunch of uh, NDAs, which is uh, non-disclosure agreements. And then, even then, they still haven't told me what I'm doing. They've told me I'm a law enforcement agent. And then I get there and I find out I'm a shield agent. Yes. Right? So, I mean, that would be a secret. And then I still don't find out. And again, if you haven't seen Avengers Endgame, I'm not sure why you're listening to this podcast, yeah. but spoilers ahead. Uh, so stop listening right now before you've seen it. But assuming you've seen it at this point, even then, I still don't know. I mean, they've, they only give me two pages of script. So I don't know, you know anything. And you have to understand the other piece of this. The other piece of this is that uh, that at the time we filmed it, they filmed End, Infinity War and Endgame back-to-back over the course yep. of a year in Atlanta. And just to give you an idea, in the MCU, in terms of where it, where it was, the week I filmed it, I filmed it like I, it was a two-day shoot for me. So that the weekend before I had filmed it was the weekend that Thor Ragnarok had, come op- had opened. Oh, Wow. So I haven't seen, uh, and I actually, when I was on set, I hadn't even had, I hadn't had a chance to see Ragnarok yet. So I haven't seen Ragnarok yet. So you don't and, even and know the effects of Infinity War yet. I don't know the effects of Infinity War yet. Ant-Man and the Wasp haven't come out. I haven't seen Captain Marvel yet. So, and I certainly, I have no idea about uh, Infinity War. And, and so, so I get these two pages and it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So I get there, but the only things that I know is obviously, okay, so I'm a shield agent. I, I figured that out because they give me a shield badge. <laughs> so for those of you listening who haven't caught Matthew in the movie before, he is actually the shield agent standing next to Robert Redford at Stark Tower in the lobby when Tony Stark and Thor are trying to escort the Tesseract out of the building. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so Tony and Thor have the Tesseract Correct. in a briefcase. And so they are trying to get it out, and I walk, and so I was going to say before we even film the scene, so I don't even know Robert Redford's in it until he walks on set. Oh, gosh. So that's my point is, is that I'm telling you that, like, so I found out I'm a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. I know that I'm in a scene with Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Hemsworth. That's all I know. And then I get to the set, and they're like, they pull me over, and all of a sudden, 
holy crap, Alexander Pierce just walked in. Oh, my gosh. So take so us through I, that day on set a little bit. What's that like for you? It's surreal. I mean, I mean there's it's no way to describe it other than just like, <laughs> holy crap. Like, what? <laughs> I mean, it's just like, wait wait a minute. I mean, because there's, there's one frame of the movie. I mean, it's, a, it's actually a nice little scene. Right? It's a nice long scene, but if, if you, there's literally one frame of this movie, at least one frame of this movie, where the only things on screen are Robert Downey Jr., Robert Redford, Chris Hemsworth, and <laughs> me. And you. I love it so much. Do you have yeah, acting experience like, before this? So, some. I mean, certainly not to the level of anyone in that scene, right? I mean, I'm like, you know. It, um, <laughs> I love it. I mean, it's, it's, like, it's like playing an NBA game. You ever played hoops before? Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. pick up with my kids in the backyard. Right. So, yes. I mean, I had, I had done, I've done some... You know, I did like a, I've done a, uh, you know, I, I played myself on an episode of The League. I did like a, a couple episode arc on One Life to Live as a cameo. I've, I did a sketch comedy show for Pop TV. You know, I've done a couple of things here and there. Um, I've done another sitcom, uh, you know, but nothing like this. And obviously I'm on, you know, with ESPN, I'm on TV every day. So I'm comfortable right. in front of a microphone. I'm comfortable in front of cameras. Right. But it's one thing to be like, you know, on the set of NFL Live and talking about who to start and sit. And it's another thing, acting in what you know is going to be one of the biggest movies of all time, next to legitimate icons. Right, right. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. and Robert Redford are iconic. Like, they're American royalty. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah, in right. no disrespect to Chris Hemsworth, who's also a, a massive star, but, like... Right. I mean, like, so it was just... Like, I am... And I'm also a crazy MCU fan, so I am, like... I am freaking out both I'm I'm freaking out. I have three different things going on internally. Right? Number one is is I'm just super nervous about like, oh, don't screw this up. Right. Right. Don't screw this up because if I if I look weird, if I'm if I'm creepy or whatever, or, I, or I'm just a bad actor, any of it, right? Robert Downey Jr. could easily like pull his assistant <laughs> aside, you know, get this guy out of here <laughs> aside and say, like, um, you think we can do better than the fantasy guy here? This, you know, <laughs> right. All he has to do you don't have to say that. Like, he just looks at me weird, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, listen, why don't you move more to the back? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so I'm nervous about that. I'm nervous about just screwing up the scene because I understand that, like, I, kn- I know enough about the MCU, even though I haven't seen Infinity War yet or Ragnarok or any of those things haven't come out yet. I know enough about the, in- about the, the MCU, obviously, that this is a big freaking deal that Alexander Pierce is here. Right. You right. know, this is clearly some sort of, it's either a dream sequence or time travel. No doubt. It's one of the two things, and I assume it is time travel, because I, I, as I read the script, I know what plays out. Like, I know that, I know that the end of the scene is, um, it ended up getting cut in the movie, but uh, there's, there's a couple of lines at the end of the scene where we're all looking for Loki. Right. It's like, Loki? Loki? Yeah, like yeah right. It, what we shot was, and it didn't end up making the, making the movie, but I'm just like, you know, you know, you know, I'm like, find him, find him out, you know, and I like, I'm, I'm telling everyone to run after Loki. Okay. Okay. You know, and so we all spread out looking for Loki. So I know, so I know that Loki is taken off with a Tesseract. And so obviously like if, um, it's obviously not a dream sequence, right? But you don't know um, that he's technically dead yet, right? You don't right. know that. Okay. Wow. No, of course. No, you, no, you don't know he's dead yet. No, right. I a hundred percent. I don't know he's dead. Right. Right. By the way, I'm still not convinced he is. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, right, right. 
Every time you think Loki's dead, he shows back up. He somehow figures it out. You know, I thought they went out of their way this time to choke him out and really show you, hey, he's dead. But then here he is again, so you never know. But You never know. He's probably dead, but... um, uh, you never know. It'll be interesting to see what the uh, the Disney Plus uh, show with him. Uh, you know yeah, no uh, how that how that addresses that if it goes back in time or whatever. So um, when you're on set with those icons, yeah, were they as gracious off screen as they seem to be on screen? Unbelievable! Really, couldn't have been couldn't have been better. Look, and they were listen. Hemsworth was awesome. Redford was awesome. Robert Downey Jr. is a beautiful, beautiful human being, and I mean that oh. with no disrespect to Hemsworth or Redford, who were who couldn't have been lovelier. It couldn't have been more supportive or welcoming. I mean, like, you're Robert Redford, right? I mean, you're, you know, you're an Oscar winner. You're an icon. I mean, you're like, right. you're literally American royalty. And like, here comes some, you know, and he couldn't have been more gracious. But Robert Downey Jr., I cannot say enough good things about him as just a human being. Really? I, I mean, so I, I wrote about this. So I, I wrote about the whole experience. And if you want, if you just search like Matthew Berry, Love, Hate, Avengers, Endgame, Okay. Uh, an article will come up. So I wrote a whole article in August on ESPN.com about this whole experience. So um, you can read more details about that if you want. But, you know, I'm super nervous, right? So right. I'm, like I said, uh, the three things are going on. I'm nervous about screwing it up. I'm nervous about, you know, just like I'm nervous about doing a good job. I'm nervous about being around these massive icons. And I'm nervous about, like, I'm fanboying out, right? Because it's like, oh, my God. You know, I mean, like. <laughs> Right. I'm standing in the I'm standing at the <laughs> lobby of Stark Tower. Like they don't even tell me that, right? Right. Like I mean, like they're just like, oh, we're gonna go to set, and I walk up to set, and I'm like, this is Stark Tower. <laughs> and like, like so. Um, I would be so giddy. Right. I, I mean, it's 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 total fanboy, right? right. So I'm no like, doubt. I'm holy crap! I'm wearing a shield badge. I'm in this. I'm in the lobby of Stark Tower, and I'm standing next to, you know, Thor, Tony Stark, and Alexander Pierce. Right. On you know if you from a fanboy standpoint right. and like, Oh, Oh, and there's Loki. All right. I mean, you know, so <laughs> and because it's like, again, if you've seen the movie, like it's all, they're all dressed as if they were in Avengers. So it's all familiar to me. Right. I'm like, right. Oh wow. Like, so, I mean like Thor's in his long hair, right? right? There's some visual cues for Ragnarok. sure. Yeah. Right. So it's all, I mean, you know, and, and, and Tony's in the, uh, the stone temple pilots t-shirt and all of it. Right. I think it's a stone temple pilots t-shirt. Hmm that he's wearing. It's a, it's a black t-shirt. Yep. And, um, anyway, everyone looks like they looked like at the end of Avengers. Right. And so, um, you know, all of it is just so surreal and yeah. And so anyway, I'm super quiet. I'm super quiet. And then at one point they were having trouble with the struggle for the, the briefcase. Yeah. Right. There's right, a, right. You, there's a moment there where there's a struggle over the briefcase and then that's when, you know, Tony calls for Ant-Man and Ant-Man, you know, ducks in there and, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, pulls that plug or whatever, pulls the yes. plug or whatever to start the fake heart attack. Right. And so the question was, is like, like, well, all right, it, you know, does Robert Redford, you know, Robert Redford's not going to reach for the reach for the briefcase. You know, he's, he's the, you know, and Tony doesn't want to play it off because why would he be hiding the briefcase? Because, you know, he's got a, in theory, you know, Alexander, they're all on the same side for S.H.I.E.L.D. The oh, right, yeah. The soldier haven't happened yet, so as far as Tony knows, Alexander Pierce is Sam Jackson's dude. boss and is a good guy. Yeah, right. So, you know, there's all these things going on, and it, it seems like a very small moment, but we were struggling with what to do with a case. 
in terms of, and, and the way we were doing it when we were in rehearsal just didn't seem to work. It just wasn't, you know, people just didn't feel like it, it felt real enough. It, it either felt too fake or it just, um, it, there was the, the tension wasn't enough there. And so we're trying different things. And Tony was trying, uh, Robert was trying different things with the suitcase. And we tried different things and we tried putting it down. And anyway, there were all these different things. And so everyone's doing suggestions and I'm saying nothing. Right, right. And then eventually, eventually I got up my courage after like three or four things. We tried three or four things and none of them worked. No one's happy. And I'm just like, uh, excuse me. <laughs> and like everyone stops talking. <laughs> oh, no. And they all look at me. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> You're and, but Robert Downey Jr., and this, this, I tell this story just again to show you just sort of how gracious he is. Remember, Robert Downey Jr. has met me an hour previously. Right, And right. he doesn't know who the hell I am. I don't think he does, at least. Right. Um, and if he does... He either doesn't know who the hell I am, or if he does know who, that, who I am, he knows I'm not a professional actor. It's a totally different context if he knows, yeah. Right. But Robert Downey Jr. goes, turns to me, and very genuinely goes, please, you have an idea? Very genuinely interested in what I have to say. Chills right and now. And so obviously once Downey does that, everyone, you know, takes what I'm about to say seriously. Right. And I just said, like, would it help you if I'm just sort of more aggressive? If I'm, like, what if I'm as opposed to like kind of this calm security guard, maybe I'm just like a, a little trigger happy security guard. And I start just grabbing at it. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm right. just hand over the case dark and, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm a little pushy. And that's your just, line. <laughs> that's my line. And so the, Robert was, Robert was like, I love that. Yes. And he's just like, if you do that, then that helps me put the case over to the other arm. And like, it just, you know, it helped. He felt it helped motivate him. And anyway, so we did it that way. And that's obviously what ended up staying in the movie. That's so cool. Yeah, but it's a very small moment, but um, it helps sort of ramp up the action. And I think it helps motivate, you know, sort of the the chaos of that scene. And like, he's, he's, you know, he's, what does he say? Like, come on, Tic Tac, let's go, let's go, you know. Right, right. And um, so it ramps it all up. and, And then the other thing that was amazing was we break for lunch. And we're breaking for lunch, and somebody comes up to me, an assistant director, and says, hey, excuse me, Matthew. And I go, yeah. And he goes, uh, if you would like, you're welcome to join Mr. Downey for lunch. Oh, gosh. Right? <laughs> Just him or the whole cast? So I've, apparently this is a known thing. I, I wasn't aware of it, but there's this little thing called Camp Downey. And so I went there, and so he had a kind of a private area, and he has a, like, there's a chef and everything. And, and so it was... Um, Unbelievable. Uh, I, I think different people come through the, the lunch, but the day, I did it both days. I was invited both days. And the day, the first day there was, it was Robert Redford and his producing partner, okay. Chris Hemsworth, uh, Tom Hiddleston, uh, Joe and Anthony Russo, the directors, uh, Robert Downey, obviously, and his producing partner, a guy named Jimmy Rich. And uh, I think that was it. I mean, and that's think, so kind of, I mean, they don't have to do that, right? I mean, 100% they don't have to. Yeah. Wow. Um, you know, so incredibly gracious. And so like, I, you know, I, I, and at lunch, I sat next to the way it just ended up working out. I sat across from Robert Downey Jr. and next to Robert Redford. Oh man. And I just was a fly on the wall as those two talked. I mean, it was like, I won't share any other conversation, obviously, because that was private in between them, but like. It was fascinating yeah. just to hear those two guys talk shop for an hour. No, our audience is freaking out right now thinking about that. Yeah. I mean, it was, it'll, you know, 
top five moment of my life that I'll never forget. Like, we we talk a lot on this uh, podcast about how much of these movies are actually improv and you kind of bringing it up that you're trying different things with the case kind of reminds me of that. Is there anything else in that scene that was actually improv like that? Yeah, I mean, I think, so a few things. I mean, I think, you know, Robert tried a couple of different lines. Um, we tried different things, but yes, there was, the one big thing was, so we did the, after the fake heart attack, so, because, you know, Ant-Man was added in later, as was, um, as was uh, Hulk and the CGI, right? Ruffalo shot some stuff, but that was, at, at what, right, not I was what I was on set for was the, um, was what you see me on set for, right? Was just right, the right. confrontation uh, between me, me, Redford, uh, Thor, and Tony. And so, so at one point, then he goes down to the, um, he goes to, when he goes down to the ground, we all go down with him. And we're like, uh, Tony, you know, stay with us, Tony, stay with us, right? Right, right. And, and the whole thing. And we did a bunch of different takes of that, and like we're calling over medics, and we're doing different things. And then at one point, I turned to Thor, and I'm like, isn't your hammer magic or something? Hit him, do something. <laughs> and so he does it. Uh, they liked that, they thought that was funny, and so we did that again, and like, I think the note was like, hey, try to get to that line quicker. And so we did that again, and it, was, uh, it worked out, and... In the movie, obviously, they cut my line by suggesting that, but that moment wasn't scripted at all, that Thor uses his hammer to help revive Tony. That's um, such a fun moment to be a part of, though. So I, you kind I, of help suggest the little Thor shock, if you will. Yeah, no, that is, that is definitely my idea. That one was my idea, just sort of an ad lib. And there's That's a couple a things about right that. There. So first off, I think they made completely the right call to cut my line about that because from a movie-making standpoint, much better for Thor, the superhero, to have the idea than, you know, some random S.H.I.E.L.D. agent to bring it up. Right, no doubt. Right? So it's, it's just a better moment if Thor just does it on his own. So they were right to cut that. But the, the other piece of it is, so I was very proud about that, because that moment definitely was not in the script. Yeah, that's a claim to fame right there. Yeah. Um, so thanks. Yeah, I mean, I, I was very pleased when I saw that in there. But the thing of it is, is when you talk about sort of the, and it's the only movie set I've been on, uh, but from what I understand, that first off, because of the way Robert Downey Jr., his process is, he likes to have fun, and, you know, having spent two days with him on set, I can see, you know, he's, he's very loose and, you know, uh, gets along great with the crew and the directors. And also, I have to give it a lot of credit to Joe and Anthony Russo and the kinds of sets that they run. They're so calm and cool and collected, and they're so collaborative and, like, just, you know, good idea can come from anywhere. Like, there's no kind of you know, cast system or anything like that. We're like, Oh no, sorry. You're, you're too low to suggest anything. Like they take ideas from everyone and they really build kind of a family atmosphere. And so because it's sort of a, sort of a loose, fun atmosphere, um, uh, and a relaxed atmosphere and one that, you know, sort of embraces and celebrates creativity, people feel comfortable. I mean, think right. about it. Like, so I'm a guy there, like I'm not a real actor and I'm, um, you know, I'm not a real actor, and P.S. For how much you keep saying that, I did think you did a great job with what part you had. You do look the part for sure. Well, I appreciate that, Liz. I mean, I'm I listen. I'm comfortable on camera, and credit Joe Russo. I mean, how this came about is that you know Joe and I are friends. We're friends through fantasy football. Oh, okay. that was my next and, question. How did it even happen? And Joe called me one day and said, "Listen, I got the uh, you know, if you want to do the movie, I got a part that I think you're perfect for." Oh my. And so, what a fun so phone yeah, call! It did, it did work out. And the point I was making was is that me, dumb little me, felt so comfortable on the set that even I was willing to sort of throw out a, an ad lib 
to see if it stuck, and it obviously, you know, created a moment that made the movie. And so, uh, so there is that. All that said about the ad libbing, I will say that Marcus and McFeely, the guys who, oh script, yes, did such an amazing job, and it's because their structure and story is so good and so airtight. It's that you can find those little moments to ad lib because you're not going to throw anything off because the through line is so strong. So I mean, I I don't want to. Yeah. I just think it's very important. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a writer first, so I always always got to give credit to the writing, and uh, I don't think people appreciate what an incredible feat Marcus and McFeely pulled off with a script to Avengers Endgame to wrap up all the various storylines to keep thirty some odd characters alive and present. Oh you gosh. Know, um, and be surprising, right? So I mean, whether it's whether it's Fat Thor or the the you know Banner Hulk mole, uh, you know, Hulk, kind of yeah. melding, or yeah. you know Tony being the one to make the ultimate sacrifice, and and Captain America being a little selfish, like it's. I mean, you know, anyway, they just see what you just, don't realize is that we have talked so much about those writers on this podcast already because we're going back and re uh, watching all these films and they've written so many of them. And we sure. are so obsessed with those guys as writers. We constantly refer to the movies that they write just are better, I think. So I yeah. love that you brought that up so much. They're great. Look, and, you know, they wrote Winter Soldier, which is my after, you know, listen, obviously, Endgame is my favorite MCU movie, it's the one I'm in. Um, but after uh, Endgame, Winter Soldier is my favorite MCU movie. Yep, it's uh, definitely a, a top top tier piece of filmmaking. Oh, no doubt. So that was my next question: is actually what is your history with the MCU? Like, did you have a favorite character? Did you have a movie? Did, was there a movie that cemented it for you, where you were like, "Yes, I am now a fan"? Well, I mean, the first Iron Man. Okay, like, so you were in from way Iron back Man. in 2008. You're in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, that was awesome. Oh. Like. I actually said this to Robert Downey Jr. Um, I said that, you know, that first scene in Iron Man, when he's, so you sort of know who he is, and he's got a drink. He's, you know, in a, he's in a Jeep in the desert, you know, but, uh, like, you know, he's flirting with a girl, and he's, he's got a drink, and, like, he's kind of a jerk, but you still kind of love him. Right. You know, the way oh, yes. plays it, he plays it with such a wink, you know what I mean? The most like, likable butthole of all time. <laughs> right. And, and I told him this, I, I, I said this, like, if you play that scene, like that scene, you immediately fall in love with him. It's you true. You immediately like this guy. You're like, even though this is a flawed guy, this is clearly a flawed guy. You like this guy. Yes. And I said, if you play that scene wrong, like, I feel like the whole movie doesn't work. And if the whole movie doesn't work, then, you know, like the MCU doesn't happen. And so, um, uh, he's such a jerk and yet he's so likable. Right. His and uh, yeah, obviously we're not going to get into all and this, but his per- off. No. I don't think people appreciate how hard that sort of thread of a like a likable jerk. Like there's a difference between a likable jerk and just somebody you enjoy watching, right? Because right. you know, there are, there are there are villains on TV that we love that we you know we love to hate, right? Or in movies, right? I mean, like right, like one of my all time favorite villains is like Hans Gruber from Die Hard. Right. Okay, yeah, right, right. Amazing, no doubt. Amazing, you know, he did a great job acting in it. It's an amazing role, but like you don't like Hans Gruber. You enjoyed watching him, but you ulti- you ultimately enjoy, you know, the end of the movie and 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 you know, his come up and everything like that. Like Right, you're so, pulling for Tony. That's right. And there's that's the difference. Is that a guy that you know is a bad guy, but you're still rooting for him. 
And that's a, that's a hard thing to pull off. And that's, you know, obviously a credit to Robert. Well, and we talk a lot about how the prototypical Marvel hero now is very quippy, one-linery. Yeah. But that's because of Robert. Robert started sure. that. That was not always the case at that time. A hundred percent. Hundred percent. I mean, look, I, look, and and at the premiere, I don't know how. I think some of this was streamed. So, but like at the premiere, like Kevin Feige was just like the guy who started it all, and Robert Downey Jr. got up and spoke and said a few words uh, at uh, at the premiere of Infinity War that I was okay. at. Okay. Uh, not necessarily at Endgame, and um, but it is. I mean, like, yeah. Without Robert Downey Jr., without Iron Man, there's no MCU. Yeah, and that movie was a risk at the time too. We don't have to get yes. into that, but yeah, it's crazy. Well, it was a risk because people, Robert Downey Jr. wasn't a proven box office um, draw at the time. No, he was coming off a bunch of troubled personal stuff, too. That's what's crazy. John Favreau was not a proven action director. Although I love him so much now. Sure. Who doesn't? But, I mean, you know, like, no one was just like, oh, superhero movie? You know who you got to get is John Favreau. No one, at that time, no one's thinking that. And the other argument is, is that, like, Iron Man wasn't that big a comic. Oh, I know. I mean, like... Compared to Batman or Superman, yes. Right. Spider-Man compared to Wonder Woman, compared to the, compared to the brand names that, like, even non-comic book nerds, and I'm speaking, speaking as someone who considers himself a nerd, but, like, for, like, the general public, everyone's heard of Superman and Batman and Spider-Man, Wonder Woman, etc. Like, Iron Man is, you know, further down the list. Right. And also, he's a guy in a mask, right? That's always the concern, is it's like, you can't see the stars faced. Such a good point. So there was concern about the viability of Iron Man, the character, just as a superhero that people will care about. Right. And, which seems crazy to think about, but honestly, back in you know 2007, when they were making this movie, those were all legit concerns. Right, and this, we, have, we have the power of hindsight now, so all these things seem crazy at the time, but you just got to remember that you are hitting the nail exactly on the head with all that stuff. To watch Tony Stark's character development through all the films is astonishing. If you go back and trace it, it's such a cool story arc, and for it to come to completion like that in Endgame is like probably the reason we're doing this podcast, to be honest with you. so uh, Yeah, 100%. And so one question I didn't actually answer for you was in terms of the secrecy, was so not only was I under tons of NDAs and I couldn't say anything about being on the set. Like less than ten people at ESPN knew, and they knew because I oh had my. to I had to take off work to go. Oh wow! My kids okay. didn't know. I didn't tell my kids. My wife knew, but I didn't even tell my wife that Robert Redford was in the scene because when I get there <laughs> after I do the scene with Redford, I had to sign additional NDAs, and they're like, "Listen, this is like it's one people know we're doing the movie and that kind of stuff. And, you know, we're doing some scenes outside. So there's going to be some, you know, spoilers. People are out there taking pictures and it winds up on the internet, but whatever you do, don't, no one can know about Redford. Well, that would be so revealing. So, that would mess up so much of the, yeah, at the time. Yeah. That'd and be we a, did some stuff and you, if you want us to look for this on YouTube, you can find it while we were on set. They were, you know, again, just showing the graciousness of uh, Joe and Anthony Russo and, and Robert Downey Jr. Like, we shot some stuff for ESPN. So, like, I did an Avengers fantasy draft with, uh, with RDJ yes, I've and the Russo brothers. Yeah. So that's, on, that's up on YouTube. I would check that out. That's really fun. Uh, and then I did, I, I did a little sketch with, uh, with me and Anthony and Joe Russo where I'm, I'm trying to find out the future of my character in the MCU. Uh, so anyway, so both those things are up on, on, uh, on YouTube. Uh, you can search for them, you know, Matthew Berry, um, you know, Russo brothers. Uh, but, uh, what I was going to say is, is like, we couldn't release those until Disney wouldn't let us release those until a few weeks after the movie had come out. Yeah, I was going to say, that's years like later. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And we, um, 
in addition, like you texted me and I just said, you know, we were going back and forth and I was just saying how much I enjoyed the movie. But I wasn't allowed to publicly acknowledge, this is how crazy it was, because they just were, they're so fearful of spoilers. They were like, look, you're a, you're a cameo, you're a surprise for the people that are going to recognize you, and we want no spoilers. So you can't even publicly acknowledge that you're in the movie until the Tuesday after it opened. So, oh my. so the thir- it opens Thursday night, and in fact, there's even some press screenings. There's press screenings on Tuesday. Uh, Thursday night is when the movie premieres, and I'm getting people tweeting at me. Yeah, saying, like, like me. Oh my God, is that you in Endgame? Wow, I can't believe you. Hand over the case, Stark. And they're you know, doing all these things, and I can't respond to any of them. Even I though it's even... out already. <laughs> I love that. Which I get, though, because somebody that hadn't seen the movie, you know, and I would see somebody would tweet at me, like, wow, I can't believe you're in Endgame. And then other people would react to them saying, like, dude, spoilers, come on. And hint, yeah. McCoy. <laughs> right, stupid LaShawn McCoy. So, uh, so yeah, it was, uh, it was crazy. I, I remember, I, I have to tell you, I was so pleased when you, when you texted me, and it's, it's, it's been so wonderful people recognizing me in the movie, because, look, there's a lot going on in that scene. Right. You know, and I'm next to Robert Redford, which is a surprise in itself, and there's obviously, there's, you know, the Tesseract and Ant-Man and the Hulk coming through, and, like, there's, there's a lot going on in that scene, and so if you wouldn't notice me, if you don't notice me, I totally would get why you wouldn't. I mean, you know, I have four lines in that scene, but only one of them is actually on camera. Yes. Yep. Well, it's a very pivotal scene. So two last questions here. Take me through the red carpet premiere and just what was it feeling like to sit in that theater watching this movie, knowing is probably going to become the biggest movie of all time, and you're sitting there and you're in it. What is that night like? So the red carpet premiere, you know, was cool and great. And, you know, uh, my wife and I had, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun. We, uh, we were invited not only to the after party, but to the after after party, which was at the Russo's restaurant. And uh, that was very That's cool. That's the real and party. The real party. And, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, got to hang out with, you know, Hemsworth and uh, Anthony Mackie and uh, uh, talked fantasy football with Paul Rudd for like 20 minutes and um, you know, Matt Damon was there and like it was great and I met Chris Evans for the first time because um, he wasn't there the day I shot my stuff and so it was anyway it was great it was great you know and spent time obviously with Joe and Anthony which is great to always see them and so uh, so that was you know just you know a continuation of a magical experience right um, as for sitting there I was nervous so I'm nervous. It's, again, it's a lot going on, right? So number one, I'm just nervous because it's like, it's the culmination of the MCU. We were too. Like, I, I almost phase, didn't enjoy it as much the, the first MCU, time. That phase. Yes, yes. I almost didn't enjoy it as much the first time because you're so unsettled. Like, you don't want this to end poorly to where you have to, like, explain it off to people, you know? Right. So you're so nervous while you're watching it. And then I'm also like, you know, because all I know is Joe had texted me and said, your scene came out good. You'll be happy. That's all he said. I'm like, okay, cool. So I'm like, okay, I know I'm in the movie. I know I didn't hit the cutting room floor. But, you know, how much am I in it? You know, so when is it in it? Like, I have no idea when it takes place, you know, in the movie. Right, yeah, true. So I'm just, I'm sort of on pins and needles. Like, when do we get to me? When do we get to me? Like, you know, please, please let me be good. Please, because you don't know. Like, I don't know if I'm any good or not. I don't know how it, you know. You never saw a single editor or anything. No, no, no. Okay. Again, the only thing I got in two years, it was two years from the day I shot it till the, <laughs> two till years. the premiere, about wow. two years. The only thing I got was, again, I got one text from Joe Russo saying like, hey, your scene came out well. I think you'll be happy. Wow. 
Okay, so that's next and level. So, of anyway, so so it's nerve wracking. You're on pins and needles, saying like, you know, how does it all piece together? How does it fit in? And then, uh, you know, once it happened, uh, I was just like, oh, good, wow, okay, I got more screen time than I thought. Great. Um, I didn't stick out like a sore thumb. I didn't think. Great. Nope. No one around me was just like, well, who the f was that guy? You yeah, know? Right. Like, <laughs> right. So that was great. And then and then afterwards at the after party, what was cool was. Um, a person came up to me and said, like, oh, hey, Matthew, I'm a big fan. I listen to the podcast every day. I was like, great. He's like, can I get a picture? Sure, sure. And then he's just like, so what are you doing here? <laughs> he literally just watched the movie. He knows who I am. He recognizes me and didn't realize I was in the movie. And I, there was a part of me that was like, oh, man. But then there was another part of me that was like, that's actually a massive compliment. That means you did that, a great job. Right, because again, I'm supposed to be basically kind of a face, a nameless, faceless shield agent. I'm just supposed to be sort of muscle for uh, Robert Redford. Right, and you know, and and so listen, uh, listen. As an MCU fan, I don't want you don't want somebody to be taken out of the of the the joy and the, the story, the, yeah. you know, of um, being you know seen. Right, you don't want to. Right. Um, uh, of seeing the movie and experience it. And you don't want to be like, oh, what's the fantasy guy doing there? So <laughs> right. The fact that this guy who was a fan of mine and knew, uh, and knew who I was, but wasn't taken out of the scene of the movie, I took as a big compliment. And then, you know, a lot of other people at the, at the premiere ended up saying like, Oh, Hey, you were great. Loved you as a shield agent. Well, you know, so, um, it was about, you know, half and half in terms of people who, uh, realized I was in the film or not. So, um, anyway, I would just I, have I to imagine that was compliment. Uh, yeah, I would have to imagine that it was such a surreal day for everyone who had been working on those movies for so long, you know, because I had heard that a lot of them hadn't actually seen much of it until that night. A lot right. of people that worked on that. So just to go to that and have the culmination of those 15 years, just incredible. Yeah, no, it was very cool. Okay. Last question. Tell our audience a little bit about the Agbo fantasy football league you're doing. So this is super cool. Uh, we're having so much fun. Once again, it's, so Chris Evans works with a guy named Guillermo and uh, Lozano. And uh, Guillermo, uh, so there is a fantasy football league on the set of Avengers. Okay, that, that, um, It's called Bloodsport, and it's been together forever, and it's something that Joe sort of started as a way to keep you know, the cast together and camaraderie. And so it's been going on for years. And, in fact, uh, you know, it was very nice. Like the, the cast couldn't have been more gracious, and the crew – uh, of the Avengers, and they were like, listen, lots of celebrities come by, and, you know, either they're doing cameos or they're just, you know, stopping by to say hi, and, like, we're all excited to meet you. Like, and they, uh, like, <laughs> just, like, 12, you know, and, and so um, I say that not to brag about myself, but merely just that, uh, you know, that's how rampant fantasy football is and was on the set of Avengers and the Captain America movies. So a lot of this wow. crew had been with the Russo brothers who had done Winter Soldier, they'd done Civil War, and then they'd done, you know, both Infinity War and Endgame. So they'd been with them for like six years, right, through four movies. Right. So there was like, there's, a, there's kind of an actor's league, and then there's a crew league. And the second day that I was on set, the, the entire fantasy league that's comprised of the crew, they all wore football jerseys. That's <laughs> kind of a homage to me. So that was very sweet. And, you know, we took a photo and hung out. And, uh, so anyway, the, the Agbo Superhero League, how that came together is, so we'd been talking about, so Guillermo, he's the commissioner of that league, and he works with Chris Evans, and Evans is also in the league, and we talked about, hey, we want to get you in the league, how do I get in this league, and just problem is no one leaves the league. No one ever leaves the league. Which and is a good so, problem. So then, so, and it's not just me that had asked to be in the league. They, they were getting a lot of other people that had said, like, hey, can we get in the league, can we get in the league? Okay. So then he wants to do a league. So he's trying to think about, like, what if I started another league? 
And so he called Joe, and Joe was into it. But Joe's take was, Joe's take was, like, instead of just doing another league filled with actors or anything like that, let's do something with it. Let's do two things. Like, so obviously superheroes are a huge theme in Joe's life. You know, he's done four movies. It's what he's most well-known for. And so he's like, I'm going to make a rule. Let's do a league comprised entirely of people that have been in superhero movies. Right. So that was the rule. Um, and that's you now, too. Played superheroes, but mostly, but the rule was you have to have been in a superhero movie. So cool. And then Joe says, and let's, let's do, you know, again, sort of the theme of superheroes trying to do good, make the world a better place. Uh, Agbo Studios, which is the studio that uh, Joe and Anthony own together, the Russo brothers, uh, will put up $100,000 in charity. So cool. And so we'll get everyone to sort of play for a charity and we'll play fantasy football, raise awareness for these charities and, uh, and have some fun in the process. And so, you know, they, they bring it to me and they're like, what do you think? Would ESPN be interested in this? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Oh my God, this would be amazing. And, uh, we love it. And so because I've been in a superhero movie, I get to be in the, in the league. And so does Joe. Joe, right. for people that have seen Avengers Endgame, there's a scene at the beginning of the movie where Steve Rogers is running a therapy group, right? You know, post post uh, events of Infinity War, and there is a uh, there's a gay man who talks about a date that he'd had, and he's you know talking about the Mets and everything like that. That's Joe Russo. Now Joe is also in Winter Soldier. Do you know that he's the doctor that helps Fury? We caught that this time through. Oh, that's interesting. I, it's been a while since I've I've met Joe since I watched Winter Soldier last, so I'm going to have to go back and look at that. Yeah, watch that for that. Sense. He's in the background, like, helping. I think he's helping Nat when they're talking to Fury, and there's the big reveal of Fury being alive. Just fun fact. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep going. So anyways, he... Anyway, so Joe Russo has been, been in... Because Joe Russo has been in the superhero movies, and I have been, we get to sort of sneak under the wire. But then, uh, you know, Joe said, hey, let, let's see it. We'll make it a 10-team league. I think we can find eight other people that'll do this. We got so many responses so quickly that wanted to do it. It's a 14-team league, and so Deep. Robert Downey Jr. is in it. Chris Evans is in it. Chris Hemsworth is in it. Chris Pratt is in it. Paul Rudd, Anthony Mackey, Michael B. Jordan. Uh, and it's not just the MCU. So Miles Teller, who played Mr. Fantastic in the Fantastic Four, he's in it. Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool himself is in it. Um, you know, Elizabeth Olsen, Karen Gillan, they're both in it. So uh, Tom Holland, he's in it. Um, amazing and, roster. Yeah, so it's, it's an unbelievable roster. And so, and we post, uh, if you just search the hashtag Agbo Superhero League, A-G-B-O, Agbo Superhero League, hashtag Agbo Superhero League, you'll see all the trash talk that's been going on between, uh, Reynolds and Pratt and Evans and me and Rudd and, um, Mackie and Olsen and Gillen and just everyone. And so it's been uh, a lot of fun. We post a new one every week. And uh, if anyone wants to check out the league and see what charities people are playing for, you can go to ESPN.com slash superhero. Very cool. You had a particularly fun trash talk with Hemsworth, by the way, last week. Thank I really you. enjoyed that. I really enjoyed it. I appreciate it. that. I also saw that Hemsworth was in first place at nine and one. I looked that up this morning. So he is crushing Odell Beckham Jr. I'm in like fourth. But Beckham is killing me. I really need Beckham to step up here down the street. Fourth, you're hanging in there. You're hanging in there. Well, Matthew, thank you so much for doing this. We all thought you did an amazing job in Endgame, and I will be reading and watching your fantasy stuff this year. I'm always following it, just FYI. Taking your advice, your love-hate list, love it. We'll be watching all season. Thanks for taking the time. My pleasure. And you know what? It's Disney Plus Day today that we're taking it, is. Kyle. So people, what you can do is you can, you can, uh, you can get the bundle, 
You know, for like 12 bucks a month, you get Disney Plus, you get Hulu, and you get ESPN Plus. I myself have it. You'll be able to watch Avengers Endgame on Disney Plus. Yep. And then you can come over and watch the fantasy show on ESPN Plus. So, uh, it's a great deal. It is a great deal. Especially if you're listening to this podcast. That's the best way to get any of these movies and this fantasy content. So, amazing. Kyle, I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you very much, Matthew. I really appreciate it. Take care. And hell, Hydra. (laughs) Yeah, right. Thank you. Wow, Kyle. Right? How fun is that? Man. What a cool guy. And I'm so thankful for him taking the time to do that. I, listening to the interview, I was just riveted the entire time. I mean, that is, I I hope that our listeners are enjoying that as much as I enjoyed it because that is gold for me. I love that he's not just a fan of it. He's like a mega MCU fan. Right. Actually, that's what I thought was such a perfect fit about this. He's not just a cameo in the movie. He loves it. So right. that makes me so happy. No, I mean, it's so crazy for me because like Kyle and I actually play fantasy football together. And throughout the week, I will, I'll listen to Matthew Barry videos. I follow him on Twitter. So it's like, he's a celebrity even to me. And then to hear him fanboy on the same level that we do about these movies is Actually sort of validating. <laughs> <laughs> I also love how, uh, yeah, not just the fanboy, but just how everything he has to say about the behind the scenes of these actors is so affirming. Like he's so positive oh, yeah, about it. And yeah. I love that. No, it's so, it's, it's always really encouraging to hear stuff like that. And it sounds like, I mean, the whole experience couldn't have been better. And I mean, the fact that it spawned this fantasy league, which is so cool. I followed that some online I I can't I, can you imagine just being in no. a fantasy football league no. with the Avengers? No, no. and uh, <laughs> he has a legit relationship with them now, so that's just so fun. Growing up so a fan cool. his whole life, and then to get to be a part of it via fantasy football, but also just to yeah, Man. to be in that movie because of that relationship is so cool. And how crazy is it, by the way, that he doesn't know what's going on when they come film Dude, it? That's the part that most blew I think my mind. The craziest thing for me, and I know this is the case with a lot of movies, but I can't imagine the the mix of emotions he was feeling watching that for the first time and he like he got right. into that and he talked like, about how he was nervous like we talked yeah, about that yeah. but even times 10 because you're in it and you haven't seen it in two years right. I mean because it's so hard because I know he's enough of a fan to where he was as invested in in what happens in the story as we are but on top of that he's also thinking about like when's my performance coming up and did I do a good job like I feel like that would be a pretty I always just think it's crazy though whenever you have actors going into a premiere you know, without really any idea of how things have turned out, but especially from his perspective when he was just kind of parachuted in for this one moment that was so confusing to him at that point in time. And like we talked about, it was a pretty pivotal moment. Oh, totally. I mean, for the one scene to be, because you'd have to be like, wow, they must be time traveling. Why are these characters that are gone back? Um, Also, this is when it goes wrong from this point on. So it's kind of a turning point in the film there. It's it's also just crazy that his suggestion that he made about Thor's hammer winds up being basically the way that that scene ends. And I really love that scene. Every time I see it in Endgame, it kind of cracks me up. I yes. love Chris Hemsworth's little, I can't believe that actually worked. Yes, it's I like, know. And that's, I mean, he that has to feel so cool. I mean, and he just did a fantastic job in the movie, too. It's like, it, what he said is right. It's, it's, he, 
is perfectly kind of understated. He plays the S.H.I.E.L.D. and or HYDRA agent exactly as he should. I mean, it's, man... What a cool experience. And his his Hail Hydra sign off <laughs> caught me off guard, but that was so good. So good. Uh, man, I'm so jealous, but that was such a treat. I hope our listeners really enjoyed that as much as I did, but something tells me that I think they did. I, th- I think they did. So as we said earlier, this is the end of phase one, but this was our palate cleanser before (laughs) phase two. But guys, we have a lot more awesome content like you've been hearing, like this interview coming up in phase two and three. So hang with us. The first episode for phase two comes out next Monday. We're going to be talking about Thor, the dark world. And trust me, you don't want to miss it. It's Robbie's favorite movie ever. (laughs) So we finally get there, which is great. I just want to say, I know that sometimes people might feel compelled to skip over either rewatching or listening to the rewatch episodes for movies that were not reviewed as well or movies that they don't remember particularly fondly. This is not the movie to do that with. Kyle and I had so much fun watching it. I think that you will too. Kyle, am I right? I hate that I'm saying this, but he's right. Don't (laughs) skip over this one. Don't skip over the movie. Go watch it again. And don't skip over this episode. But also on Thursday, we're just going to do a quick uh, Marvelette kind of wrapping up our rankings of phase one and where we stand on those individual movies, just right. so you can kind of get a better picture of our list if you were confused with where we're at with our rankings. Which they probably so that's are. Thursday. Because we've, which they we've probably tossed are. out so many numbers. <laughs> and you've moved it around so many times already. So <laughs> that is on Thursday, Thor Dark World on Monday. As always, thank you so much for listening to the Friends From Work podcast. We are really grateful for all of you guys. If you want to get more information on Matthew Berry, you can follow him on Twitter. He is at Matthew Berry TMR. Uh, you can also check out his shows on ESPN and ESPN2, as well as ESPN Plus, as he plugged. If you are at all in fantasy football world, you definitely should be listening to Matthew Berry. No doubt. He's very entertaining. So check out him. Check out that Agbo Fantasy Football League. You might enjoy it. And while you're on there, you can follow at the FFW podcast on all social media. There it That's is. us. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Anywhere podcasts are found, that really helps us. So we appreciate you all. We'll see you next time on Friends From Work. <laughs>